Welcome to Money Chats with Bounce Financial. I'm your host, Ben Brett. And I'm Cara Brett. And if you haven't listened to this podcast before, this is the podcast that helps professional families who are navigating all of life's big financial transitions. So if that sounds like you, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating as it really helps the podcast grow. Uh, If you want more information more often, be sure to check out our Instagram at Bounce Financial. That's at Bounce Financial. Um, And before we kick off, I always want to highlight that the information we provide in this podcast is general in nature and it doesn't take into account your personal circumstances. You should consider the relevance of this and seek advice before acting. And surprise, surprise, we are financial advisors. Who knew? <laughs> so if you're looking for a financial advisor, be sure to check out Bounce Financial um, at our website, bouncefinancial.com.au. Uh, what are we talking about today, Cara? Well, we are talking about something that comes up so regularly for so many of our clients, and that's figuring out the best way to save for private education for the kiddies. Indeed, indeed. This is a big part of a of, of financial plan if you are considering private school for your kids mm-hmm. um, and it's something that we really need to get on almost as soon as they're born it's it's pretty crazy how quickly we need to think yeah. about this yeah definitely because you need a fair bit of a runway to understand what it's going to look like for you and to actually start planning for it so whilst weirdly sometimes when we talk to people we ask these questions when they're sometimes even pregnant, Yes, um, it's really relevant for future you. So today what we're going to do is we're going to step through, I guess, how we think about uh, how much private school is going to cost, how we need to plan for it. And we're going to actually talk about some of the different methods that we discuss with our clients about how they can save and invest for private school and talk Mm -hmm. about their different pros and cons because they all do come with pros and cons. Yeah. I think maybe kicking this off Maybe we should talk about how much private school costs um, and how you can kind of go about identifying how much you think you're going to need for this mm. period. Because it's hard to invest for something if you don't know how much you're going to need. Exactly. And I think that when we talk to people about this initially, a lot of people have an idea as to the school they want to send their children to. And that's always our first question. Do you have a preferred school that you're looking for, right? Yep. Um now, the good news about that is is that most schools provide their fees online. Yes, very so easy. you can usually find out, and whilst they're relevant for that financial year or that year, you will understand at least here's the base level of fees that will then apply to you in future years. Yes. Yeah, and so I guess once we kind of go through that exercise, and when, when you're doing that too, it's important to take into account, um, you know, uh, Education, oh, sorry, um, technology costs, yep. donations to the school, things like, you know, uniforms, like what are the costs that are going to come with this? Um, and usually try and assume, obviously, it's going to be a little higher than you expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but it allows you to, to look at it and go, okay, well, what's the exercise here? Okay, well, it costs $15,000 a year for my child to attend. I've got two children. They need to attend for six years. So the amount we're going to need is the today equivalent of $180,000, which yep. is... It's not small change. It's not a small change. It's, it's a big part of any budget and so we need to kind of start planning for it right mm-hmm. Um, one thing I do like to note too is um, if your children are particularly young, uh, we need to assume that those fees are going to go up and mm. they're going to go up relatively substantially. Uh, in my experience, school fees, they go up a bit like electricity bills. You know, they, they jump up 
quite a lot every year. It uh, definitely seems more than just CPI, doesn't it's it? It's <laughs> definitely more than CPI. So just making sure, you know, we've got enough money or we're, we're aiming for enough money. If you save too much money, that's never going to be a problem. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. All right. Well, what we might do is we might talk through some of the different options for how you can save and invest for private school. Do you want to kick us off? Sure. So the first, the easiest, the most basic way is a good old fashioned bank account, right? Literally setting aside the money in an account, knowing that it is very specifically for the children's education. Yes. Um, Why would someone choose this as an option? Well, one, very basic, very easy to do, very easy to set up a bank account and segregate it from everything else. Um, And also rarely safe. Like, you, you know how much is in there. It's not necessarily going away. It's not dictated by markets. So it's there when you need it. Yes. Why would you not use it, though? Um, So, I mean, bank accounts can be really valuable in some circumstances, and I will talk about what they are. But the biggest issue, as we know, with a bank account is interest rates are low. Mm. And so the interest you earn on a bank account is quite low. Basically nil at this point. Basically nil. Assume nil. Um, Which, if you are looking, you know, if your kids are starting in one year... Mm-hmm. Maybe a bank account suits yep. um, because you don't really want to be going and investing that money. We want to just kind of set it aside. But if your kids are still 10 years away from school, you know, they're just being born or something, um, you're potentially giving up a lot of uh, investment return that you could get from other options if you go down the bank account route. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, a bank account can be a pretty valuable thing to use. Well, I mean, the first step is understanding you actually physically need to save and prepare for this. Yes. And if the bank account is your first step and something you're comfortable with, then that's okay. Yeah. I think people demonize bank accounts, but, you know, sometimes just good old saving of money can yeah. actually be a, a great strategy. Exactly. And like you said, like if you're talking about two children, $15,000 a year for high school, that's still $180,000. That's a lot of money you're going to need to be preparing. So yes. saving that is is okay. It's an okay option. Yeah. Um, might talk about another option, which is kind of similar to a bank account. And that would be if you have a home loan, uh, either putting it in an offset account or putting it on your home loan with the intention that you're going to redraw. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts on that? So it's kind of a step up from the bank account, isn't it? Yes. It is still the option of essentially saving money, but you do have some added benefits in that offset or in the home loan. One is obviously that whatever excess money you have in there is reducing the repayments, reducing the interest that you're physically paying on your home loan. And so if your interest rate is 3.5% on your home loan, that is going to make a difference to you, right? Um, So that's the first part of it. The second one is that it's still available to you. It's still accessible. So it's like a bank account in that if you need to access the money, you can access it. It's not invested in the share market. It's not going up and down. So you have a little bit more stability and you can have a little bit more certainty about it being there. Yes. With um, the home loans, though, um, and we'll see this as a trend, as you start to get a better return or a better outcome from your money, the complexity starts to be introduced. Mm -hmm. And this first bit of complexity is, okay, do you have a home loan that you can put money on and then withdraw at a later point? And where I guess I bring this up is if, say, you have a fixed loan, you may have conditions about how much you can put on that loan or how much you can draw out. So we're starting to introduce this level of complexity, Mm -hmm. um, but for 
for that, we're looking at better returns than we are if we just had it in a bank account. So I really right. like the idea of an offset account or a home loan. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to pay off your house at some point. Um, so it's a good point place to, to just kind of put it for the moment and then you know think exactly. about it later. And sometimes like when you are considering home loans, reviewing home loans, it's these things that need to be thought about yes. to align to some of the other goals. So yeah, you're right. If you've got a fixed loan, it might not necessarily be the option. Yes. Yeah, and I see this quite regularly. Um, if you have an offset account, you know, I think we've done episodes on this prior. They are powerful, powerful things. You know, having money in an offset account is nearly always better than having it in a bank account. Um, so definitely explore that and find out a bit more. All right, let's talk about, um, you know, we've talked about the idea of, um, you know, putting in a bank account or putting it on your home loan, you, you know, putting it on debt. Let's talk about investing. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the options there? Yeah, we've got a few options on the investing and we're going to talk about, I guess, all of them. And the first one is an investment portfolio. And I suppose when we talk about the concept of an investment portfolio, we're loosely thinking about things like shares, managed funds, ETFs. All of those could be captured in that investment portfolio, can't yes. they? Yeah, I think when we say investment portfolio, we mean a a broad amount of investments. Wow, I did a terrible job of explaining. It's called diversified in our industry. Diversified. Diversified. (laughs) I I do have to say it is the afternoon here, so I'm slowly running out of words. Um, But yes, diversified a portfolio. Um, Some of the issues with an investment portfolio. So the first thing is that you are suddenly introducing investment risk. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we say risk in the investment world, we're talking about the risk that will go up and down. Like if it's well diversified, the risk is it will go up and down in the short term. Um, And so for that reason, we tend not to recommend people invest um, unless they've got three years or greater Mm -hmm. to access that money. And the reason being is the share market may go down in value and you may find yourself with less money than you put in. And that may continue for a number of years and then suddenly the market will pick back up and you'll you'll end up okay. Um, But if you're trying to invest for a very short period and the market doesn't go up, it goes down, you can actually end up with less money than you started, which is kind of not the purpose of investing. Yeah. And, you know, the normal investment principles come into play when it comes to things like investment portfolios, shares, ETFs, etc. It is a little bit of a long-term play. Mm. And so we wouldn't tell anyone to recommend um, to invest in these kind of investments for one year so if we know the school fees are due in one year that's not necessarily what we do yes but it could be something where it starts to come into play when you do have young children and you are thinking a fair few years in advance and you're one of those ultra organized people who likes (laughs) to be planning for it now Um, an investment portfolio can suit some people who have a little bit higher risk tolerance and do want to try and make a little bit more money from the from what they've actually put aside for the children in the interim. And I do want to add too that you don't need to pick one or the other. So Mm -hmm. you could have some money in an investment portfolio with the idea that that's year 11 and 12 sorted, um, whereas some money is in a bank account for the more immediate years that are coming up. So there's different things we can do there. But some other things to point out about an investment portfolio is one, you need to pay tax on your investment returns. Mm -hmm. So that's that level of complexity. Um, And you can't really just set and forget it. You you know, you need to have an investment strategy um, and that's a strategy for growing that money, but also a strategy for when you want to start pulling that money out. Mm. Um, rebalancing that portfolio and the reason being is you know we talked about markets can go down and 
if you're two years away from accessing that money and it's been a really high growth strategy and it's grown really well, we need to start thinking about, okay, well, what if the market does go down in the next two years? That's going to offset my return. So we need to we need to be pretty strategic in how we go about it. It's more complex, mm-hmm. but because of that, it has a potential for higher returns. Yeah, exactly. So definitely can be a good op- option for some of those people planning longer term. Yes. Um, but we've also got additional types of investment options, right? Yes. What is the next one we would consider? So I wasn't sure whether we should talk about this one separately because in my mind, this is very similar to an investment portfolio. Yeah. But there is a, a concept of, of product out there called an investment bond. Mm-hmm. Um, now, an investment bond is a lot like an investment portfolio. It looks like an investment portfolio. It invests like an investment portfolio. Um, but it has different tax treatments. And where this can be very beneficial is when, um, say, both partners are high earners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have greater than 10 years before you need access to that money. Correct. It's got a lot of conditions around it, but if done properly, it can actually save you a lot of money in tax. Exactly. Now, the thing about an investment bond is that you are still investing in very similar investments within your investment portfolio. So we're still talking about funds. We're still talking about ETF style products, right? Yes. The difference is, is that you can't just put money in and take it out whenever you want. There are rules around it. And if you don't adhere to those specific rules, which Ben did mention 10 years, so it's over a 10 year period, then you might have to pay additional tax that didn't make it worthwhile to begin with. And so really understanding what it is you're getting into in an investment bond is very important. Yeah, they're very complex products. And in a lot of instances, I tend not to recommend them just because of their complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you can etch out potentially a little bit of gain from the tax. Um, but if, if you're unsure about you know when you want to access the money or you might want to change your mind or something like that, you can really sort of get yourself in hot water if, if, you, mm. if you make the wrong decision here. So these can be really beneficial but they really need to be, you need to be cautious in how you approach them. Um, One thing to keep an eye out for too is sometimes they can have slightly higher fees depending on on which one you're looking at. So always worth doing your research on the fees aspect of Mm -hmm. it too. But that's another option for people with those long-term strategies that can work really well for private education. Yeah. Which sort of brings us on to the next one, which is pretty similar but has, again, slightly different rules is a scholarship fund. Yeah, sometimes they're called like education funds. They might have different names around them, but loosely it's it's very similar to that investment bond but tied very specifically to education, yes. school fees, etc. Yeah, they're essentially investment bonds with, with a gear towards education and, and it does give you some options to be able to pull some money out prior to that sort of 10-year magic mark we talked about and there's a lot of rules around here so please don't just assume it's 10 years. Um, but you pull that money out prior to that to use it for education purposes. So there can be some value there. Mm. Um, but again, this is just incredibly complex. Well, it's one of those things that trying to do this one on your own it takes a lot of strategy yes and you need to understand all the areas of where you can go wrong and right in this so yes it can work really well for certain people um 
but you need to understand that the strategy about how you're going to implement it for your situation is just like number one importance when it comes to this. And you're probably picking up a bit of a general theme. The better the return or the better the um, the opportunity to reduce your tax, the more complex it becomes. Correct. And the more com- complex it becomes, the more chance there is that you'll get something wrong and suffer a monetary loss because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so just really need to be cautious. If you are nervous about this and you don't want to you know have any risk and you, you don't understand it then a bank account or your your offset account can be just a very valuable strategy exactly um, because I'd rather you not lose money <laughs> I think most people would rather not lose money yeah it's <laughs> probably the number one thing you want to avoid um, okay I guess we, we wouldn't be talking about investments if we didn't talk about investment properties yes um, how do you feel about investment properties for education Here's my view on investment properties. Can be excellent investments, but for the for the point of uh, funding children's education, uh, it rarely, if ever, works. Mm. And the reason is, is that most people have an investment property, they will be borrowing to invest, yep. and the rental income usually just covers the cost of the repayments, meaning there's no excess cash around to actually fund children's education. So when you need money, you can't sell a bedroom just to pay for a year's worth of education. You have to sell the whole house. Yes. And there's obviously it might not be a great time. You'd potentially have to pay capital gains tax. There's all these different parts to it. And so it's not just small amounts of money. It's a big swing when you choose to do it. So it rarely, if ever, suits children's education in my mind. Yeah. Even if you have a very long-term uh, time frame, you buy a great investment property, it goes up in value, That that's really great. But year seven rolls around and you do need to sell the whole house. And then you find yourself with money set aside going, I don't really know what to do with this between year eight, nine, 10, 11, mm-hmm. 12. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, rarely I see investment property suit. I think that's that's a really good description. Um, that being said, you know, there's always exceptions to every rule. Correct. So. Um, yep. Yeah, we need to figure out what's right for you, right? Um, so, Cara, which one is best? <laughs> well, the best one. <laughs> Firstly, there is no such thing as a best one, right? No. Um, it is very individual. The factors that you are going to need to consider are things such as the time frame until you need to use it, the kind of flexibility you need, the kind of life you have and the costs that are going to be associated. Sorry. Help if I put my phone on silent. <laughs> You can tell we don't just re-record these things if we if we don't get I, it right. I could have edited this out, but I'm keeping it in. For yeah, the no, cool. Of All right, great. Yeah. And then pe- we'll get people who write in and go, and who called you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we could do a bit of a call-in show, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. Sorry, you were telling us about which one's best. Yeah. Firstly, there is no such thing as a best one. Yep. I have loosely sort of said that things like an investment portfolio probably don't suit, but like you said, there are exceptions to that. Investment property? Investment property, sorry. Don't suit, but there are exceptions to that rule. The way that we explained it was, I suppose, the ones we spoke about first are easy, simple, you can probably do them yourself, and as we talked about it, the complexity increases. So potentially a combination of a few of them would work for most people. And when we're giving advice, that's usually where it sits in there. But again, so personal, 
can't tell you which one's the best, unfortunately. Otherwise, we'd be totally lying to you. <laughs> I, like, I wish in finance there really was just the best thing and we could just, you know, put up a little post and say this is how you're meant to do it. But sadly, it just doesn't work that way. It's complex. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different for every person. It comes down to time frames, tolerance to, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, sadly, there's not a best one. And I think, like, one of our the, – the way that we see the world and our ethos here at Bounce Financial is – We do really need to understand what it is you're trying to achieve so that you can align investments to the goal, right? And this is what we're talking about here when we're talking about children's education. So many different investments work well. We just need to align the right investment to the right goal for you. And if that is children's education, then that's that is how you choose the investment. Yeah, I think the trap is sometimes you can work backwards where people start with, well, I really like investment properties. I, I feel comfortable with them. Um, and then they try to get their, their plan to suit the investment they mm. bought. And, you know, that just kind of means that you don't get to live the life you want. And the whole purpose of money is to live a life you want. So exactly. Um, let's start with that. Um, I kind of wanted to finish this off by talking about some tips and traps. Um, you know, there, there's a few things that we've seen as we've worked with different clients and I just kind of want to talk about some of the different things we've seen. I might kick us off and I know you've got some things to say as well. Um, One thing I I really want to highlight is we can't just say for children's education and ignore the rest of your financial plan. Um, I I like to use the old adage of um, you have to apply your oxygen mask first. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a bit like the traveling in an airplane. It's like we need to make sure that our own financial plan is sorted before we start thinking about our children um, because otherwise, you know, we could end up in a position where, yeah, we've saved enough for private school, but, you know, our retirement's looking terrible or, um, you know, the house isn't going to be paid off and so we're going to have to sell it like there's we really want to focus on ourselves as well as you know the the private school costs which are an important part of the plan as well yeah um do you have anything i've got more things i want to say obviously but do you have anything that you want to sort of talk about yeah probably one of the things that um comes up a lot is that i kind of say don't underestimate the cost of what this is going to be yes you know we often have this idea that in the future things will be better i'll have more money it will be fine but when you can think about two children at the same time both costing 15 thousand dollars a year plus incidental cost right it's a lot of money and that's okay we can plan for it but if you know that it's going to cost you a certain amount you probably need to think about it now because often people say well i paid for childcare, so i can cover that it's probably going to be more than you think especially by the time you get there plus remember there's no uh, private school subsidy like there is the childcare subsidy now yes. so um, just don't underestimate it yeah in my experience no one accidentally saves one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a very deliberate process to get there um, the other thing i guess i wanted to point out too is particularly if you're putting the money on your home loan or in an offset account to remember and segment that money away mentally mm-hmm. so a trap i've seen people fall into is they pay extra into the home loan with the idea they're going to redraw it but as that home loan number starts to go down they start making decisions around the idea that they have a small home loan maybe they'll upgrade maybe they'll do renovations oh well i've got a very little loan i can borrow more the bank says i can borrow more but the bank doesn't know that you're intending to pull Mm. that money out Um, so just be really cautious of mentally segmenting that money and going this is already spent it's spent on my private school expenses yeah Um, the other thing I want to add to is, is think about 
when you're going to access the money. I think when people invest, um, you know, it, we get really excited about, okay, well, this is the investment I'm picking and it's well diversified and it's, it's had this return over the past 10 years. Um, and what we do is we forget what we're going to do when we pull the money out. And that's the real, we kind of need to start with how we're going to spend the money and work backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't ignore that. Think about, okay, well, if my investment strategy is this now, what will it be as I get closer to, to drawing it out? What yeah. will it be whilst they're at school? Um, do I need to make big changes? Should I pull all the money out and put it in a bank account? Is that a bad or a good idea? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably what I would add, right? Yeah. And and that's the thing is having a strategy around what it is you're trying to achieve by when yes all of these will play into that as well yeah. so yeah having having an exit strategy is just as important as having the actual strategy in place to yeah. save for it and i think you know we've, we've talked about some of the hard things about this right like it's a big amount of money we've got to you know have strategies and we've got to work hard um but it's achievable you know and a lot of times you know the people we talk to that their, their children are young and they earn really good money and this is a very achievable goal um and so yeah the sooner we get cracking on it the the better it's going to be exactly awesome uh, well i might finish this up there do you have anything further you want to add Cara? Not at all, but we do definitely put out a lot of different information on Instagram and things in relation to education and investing and stuff like that. So please feel free to check us out. And if there's something you want to know about specifically in relation to this, just hit us up and we'll let you know. Yes, and be sure to give us a five-star rating on the podcast. It helps it grow and we really appreciate it. Until next time, guys. See you then. Cheers.